Welcome along to Scoreline Extra. On this week's episode, we'll hear from Kilkenny women's rugby team on their hopes for the new season and search for new recruits. Briefly, hearing from Brennan's Bridge manager Tim Dooley on his size progression to the league final following the defeat of Roar Inishtig on Saturday. Joe Sheehan talks all things greyhounds, while Irish skeleton racer Brendan Doyle chats about his hopes of going to next year's Winter Olympics in Beijing. We'll also have some post-match reaction from Mount Leinster Rangers match with Raffili in the Carlos Senior Football Championship. First up, we're talking rugby with Paddy Moss, Jenny Kerwin and Cathy Kelly. Uh, Paddy, I'll, I'll start with yourself uh, being the head coach of the team. How have you found it trying to assemble uh, a, a squad to compete competitively in Kilkenny? Because Kilkenny does have a wrist, illustrious uh, history when it comes to rugby. Yeah, well, we, we, we did have a, a really good system in place. Um, it kind of dwindled out a little bit in the last couple of years, but um, we've had a, a core group of around seven or eight girls who have been consistent with us for the last two years specifically um, and have joined back us joined back up this year. Um, and we have a total of 15 players now, which is great. Um, five new players, ten more experienced uh, players, and we're kind of hoping to broaden out and, and, and get new and uh, be more players in, basically. And speaking of like bringing players back in, someone that's just after hanging up their boots who's going to be in a coaching capacity is Cathy. Cathy, any, any chance you're going to make a, a comeback out onto the pitch? Um, probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> but are you enjoying So you're, you're also a coach with, with, with Paddy yeah. then as well, so you're bringing your experience factor in yeah. uh, female rugby as well. Are, are you... Would there be much differences between the two disciplines? Um, I suppose for the female, I suppose a lot of a lot of girls will go out in the field with the intention of not wanting to hurt somebody else. But I suppose they they need to learn the correct technique to do the tackles and to protect themselves and to protect others while they're playing. Um, and I suppose with with Paddy there, that's actually great to see that that's been done properly. Because when I would have started a long time ago, um, we would have been not having anybody to show us the right way and we would have gone out in the field very inexperienced and I suppose very green to what was going on on a rugby pitch like you know which wasn't a good way to start either but so you're also now coming in you're coinciding with Paddy you're coming up with uh, the, you know your your, your different tactics your di- different trainings how are uh, the players that you currently have responding to that are you getting good positive feedback because as you said it could be a challenge to get more people involved within the sport I think a lot of girls that would have played GA like could make that crossover absolutely 100% or soccer even you know no problem whatsoever the girls that are there they they seem to enjoy it they're very willing to learn and they're very good to listen at to you know how to do the techniques right which is which is great you know they're they want to learn they want to play they're eager to get out on the field which is a bonus you know it's great and speaking of getting new players in, we have a new player that's just going to be putting on the Kilkenny jersey for the first time this season. Uh, Jenny Kerwin joining me. Jenny is a good old friend of mine anyway. You're playing rugby though, you're getting out onto the rugby pitch. How are you finding after your first training session uh, with the match kind of coming up against Tala in the, in the next few weeks? How, how have you found the first training sessions? Yeah, like they're absolutely brilliant and with Cathy and Paddy, like they explain absolutely everything like... I never even held a rugby ball before and I feel prepared that I'm going to know how to correctly tackle somebody that's not going to injure them and more importantly myself. <laughs> um, so I do, I feel prepared. I feel like, yeah, okay, match nerves, you're always going to have them and the adrenaline, but I feel prepared um, and especially for somebody who has never played rugby before. 
And it, it's a big leap to make when you're getting into a sport for the very first time. Were you a bit apprehensive about it at first, or where did you come across the news that there was going to be a Kilkenny rugby team, and why did you make the decision then to be like, this sounds like a bit of me? Yeah, so my one of my friends plays on, on the rugby team, and she had been saying it to me for years, you know, come join, come join, and I was just like, no way, I don't have the time, I don't have this, I don't have that, and I just think after lockdown and not having that social aspect... Um, I was just like, right, okay, well, I need to do something. Um, I put on the lockdown weight. I need to get back out there. I need to start interacting with people, getting fit again. And it's definitely, to say that it's a team sport, like I've played other sports before. And I mean, it like the girls are absolutely fabulous women. Um, they're so inviting, helpful, welcoming, everything. Um, like I, I live for our trainings on Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, because the social aspect of it is so good. And Paddy, like, well, you mentioned, Jenny mentioned the pandemic there and, and, and people kind of, you know, missing that social aspect of stuff, but you kept it going as well with the team members that you still had from the previous season. So you were doing online classes. How challenging was that for a coach? Um, it was it was difficult enough trying to keep it interesting and, and new for them. Like, we done... Tuesdays and Fridays again. We've done them every Tuesday and Friday for six months or so. Um, but the girls kept coming back, and that was the the most exciting thing for me is that they were all dedicated to stay going. Um, they were all interested. There was a bunch of feedback, and that and no one had to. I wasn't forcing them. Um, you know, we were giving our own time up just to keep the team going, and it showed this year that now we have a panel of fifteen. Um, and and that that's the biggest thing. It shows the commitment from those girls who put the time and effort in to train twice a week, you know, for no other reason than to play rugby and be prepared for this year, um, which is fantastic to see, especially especially with the fact that COVID did hit hard. Um, we had maybe two training sessions before we were locked up again. Um, and everyone was excited to come back and play, um, and it's 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 great to see those girls back, and you know it's it's good for me to see because I put in the time with them, you know it was four hours a week, at a time that we didn't really know what was going on, um, wasn't sure if we were gonna come back or how we were gonna come back, you know that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, and. You know, you're putting in four hours a week into a team sport without actually having that kind of dynamic of, of coaching the team at the same time. So you're doing it online. But the foundations were already built and were already seen to be solid from your tenure, say, Kathy, when you were playing as well. Um, what can be done now to get more people interested in it and then to start building on the foundations that was created beforehand? I definitely think that there's a fear factor with women wanting to try out rugby. Um, I would like to just kind of get that out there. There's nothing to be afraid of. You know, it's a lot of girls think it's a very, it's a more male orientated, orientated sport. But I suppose down through the years that would have been so, but it's not that way anymore. Um, you know, girls are playing out as young as under 16, even younger in schools. They're going down right to under 14s. Girls need to come and give it a try. You know, they need to, they, they need to just come up to the field and see what we're about out of all the sports I've ever played, it's the most respectful sport I have ever played. Um, and I would have played like Gaelic football, soccer, camogie, like basketball, all down through the, my, my younger years. But it's definitely the one sport that I've always stuck with. It's the one sport that I love 
hands down over any of the rest of them. It's the one sport that I love. And it's it, there's a lot to be got out of it. You have solid friendships. Like, you you know, there's a great kind of atmosphere at training. Like, yeah, it's tough, it's physical, but every sport has that. But it's definitely something to not be standing in the background looking at saying, I'd like to try it, but like, come up and give it a try. And you're not going to be forced into high contact straight away. You know, Paddy is great. Like, you know, the new girls are showed the right way to do it. And it's it's very it's it is great fun. Like I'm I'm sure like Jenny will agree. Like it, it is great fun. Like I mean it's it's something that I would say to any girl who wants to just is even thinking about it. Just come up and give it a go. Just come up. We've seen previously when um like we know that 2020 was the year of women in sport, and you, if you can't see her, you can't be her kind of thing. And we've seen national coverage kind of uh, expand to rightly so start looking at the women's national league when it comes to soccer. Camogie, uh, you have Little's campaign for the ladies' Gaelic football. So you're bringing eyes on this product. So Adam Griggs getting his side into a World Cup. Um, they have to defeat Scotland now, get a bonus point victory there. But how big if that was to happen? The game is currently going ahead if that was to happen how big of a momentum would that be not just for a sake like any rugby club but for all the the rugby clubs that are looking to either sustain their female rugby teams that they currently have or start building one for the future it's huge inspiration for them right from the very top like you take it right from that team that's lining out today right down to our level down to girls that have never played before because I suppose I would have come from an era where women in sport wasn't a huge thing. You know, it was just kind of you play camogie. Yeah, OK, grand Gaelic football, not so much. Rugby, definitely not. But now it's more like I, Neve Briggs would have trained us um, for one season. And to just have somebody that has been at that international level to come and train with you and to give you some of their time and to give it back like now for me to see like the girls coming along that haven't played because if they like it just builds momentum and it builds that kind of kind of I suppose what I'm trying to say is that the girls that will be looking at those girls lining out today like right down to the youngest of girls that will be at home in a rugby ball can look at that and say I want to be there someday that's where I that's where I want to be not everybody is going to get there but the options are so much bigger now from colleges as well you know you see I actually think Neve Briggs has actually gone back training this year which is the head coach with UL Bowes there like which is a great inspiration for them she would have played with them in her career um, and it's great to have that kind of camaraderie kind of going between clubs you'll never you'll never see that there's a kind of a rivalry it's always just a pleasant kind of atmosphere against teams and it needs to build and those girls will play against each other at the weekends and they'll play with each other in college in the week and that for me is the one thing that I have always seen with the rugby it's always just so friendly and so it's such a nice kind of atmosphere to play in um it's vitally important for me today like looking at that game like it's it's recording at home like for me because <laughs> um, I you know it's something that I will sit down and I will watch and I will be there going get the tackle get the but you know it's it's just to see women playing in sport at that level that there's a huge respect there for them and it's building and building every year it's getting bigger every year and it's going to, it's only going to get better like and I suppose that's also going to be in your mind then is building an infrastructure then for younger uh, ladies and lads out in Kilkenny as well uh, uh, they've been doing tremendous stuff out there in Fugstown and uh, Jenny now you're going to be part of history as well when you're going to be playing your first game what's the position going to be has has, has Cathy and Paddy decided <laughs> They're thinking about a forward, I think, because um, I would be naturally strong and fast as well. So I think that's they, they I don't think they've quite decided, but 
Yeah. Open side flanker is the best of the forwards anyway. I can just say that, that, that's where they put me. I couldn't do much else, but that's where I got put when I was playing uh, back in the day. Uh, Paddy, when's the first game coming up then? So the first game's on the 15th of October at home at Folkestown. Um, we're going against Cala, or Tala sorry, uh, at 8 o'clock kickoff. Um, we're really looking forward to it because it's, it's like Jenny said we're not 100% sure about positions because we haven't seen anyone play a game yet mm. and that's going to be the real big importance to see how they fit in a position how they you know put their skills into a game um, at training especially now we, you know with only 12-13 at a time um, it's hard to see how they're going to transition into a game how they're going to play and, and learn from that so Hopefully with the Tala game, maybe a friendly game next Sunday. Um, we'll see how they mould into the play, uh, positions um, and, and change from there. And just uh, on, on the infrastructure on that, um, we, what I'm striving for myself, for our team, is that we have something for the underage players in our club to look forward to in the future. We have an under-14, under-16 and under-18 uh, girls teams who are all looking for players and right now the 15 who we have are there for those players you know to look forward to in the future to play for Kilkenny and it's a really really big thing and it's great to see that the 15 are there to be their own you know model to be their own kind of person to look up to Hopefully in the future we will have someone on the Irish team, on the Leinster squads and everything like that. But for now, we're trying to get our Kilkenny squad there so we have younger players to look up to, you know, from there. And if people are liking what they're hearing, um, where, where can they go and, and sign up for it? Like you mentioned that you have the match out in Fookstown on the 15th. Uh, they can go watch the game if they want to watch it because supporters and fans are always needed as well and that helps, helps spread the message on social media. But if someone wants to get involved in uh, in the actual putting on the jersey, lining out into the field, even if they're apprehensive and they have a few questions, where can they get in touch? Kathy um, or Paddy, either yeah, or. You can get in touch... Um Get in touch with the women's rugby pay, uh, Instagram. Um, you can also get in touch with me at 085-1223-160. Any questions or anything like that you have, give me a text, give me a call. It's not a problem. Um, for the under-14s to under-18s, look online. They train on a Wednesday at 7. And we ourselves train on a Tuesday and Friday at 7 o'clock. And what's the name? what's the name of the Instagram page? Uh, Kilkenny Women's Rugby page or Kilkenny R- Women's Rugby We wish him best for the season Bennis Bridge Manager Tim Dooley is next uh, Tim Dooley 303 for Bennis Bridge Michael Walsh said on commentary that's all a manager can ask for so you're obviously happy enough Ash, we're happy to top the table and get the 3 3 and be into the quarter-finals. So that's as much as you could look for at the start of the year. Yeah, and a competitive match. I know all the games were great, but a very competitive match. The Roar put it up to you and, and could have been a little bit tighter at the end, oh. albeit you were the better team. Well, the Roar are a very good team and you know you can't take any of them for granted, but we knew coming today the Roar wanted to win and to give it as much as they could. And no rest for the wicked now no. because they're going to be back out now ASAP? Yeah, next Saturday I think is the... Yeah, yeah so... 
we'll take it from there and see what happens after that. All right, early to assess injuries, the boys with one or two little knocks picked up there during yeah, the game. a few, but we'll devise a look at them there now and we'll see how it goes and we'll get back to a Tuesday night. Right. Happy enough with the performance? Ah, yeah, sure, tis a win, the win is a win. Okay. Yeah. You're a man of few words, but listen, we got a bit of ways today and thanks, and well done thanks on your three much. wins. Thanks very much. Come on, thanks. That's all I needed. Come on, thanks a million, best of luck next week. A man of few words, but a man that has plenty to say, is particularly about the Irish skeleton racing, is uh, Brendan Doyle, who has hopes of going to next year's Winter Olympics in Beijing to represent Ireland. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's quite a unique sport, but I think there's, there's a lot of parallels that we can all appreciate. So, um, you know, for, for, the, for the listeners who may not know exactly what it is, um, skeleton is a winter sport where um, athletes will race down an ice track that's kind of made up of banked corners, so you're actually picked up the corner as you go through, kind of like when you go down a uh, water slide, that same feeling. But we will, uh, we will race down on a, on a flat sled, kind of looks like a tea tray, and um, we'll push it with one hand, and then we'll jump on, lay on our stomachs, and attack the, the track head first. Now, we'll actually steer the sled using our shoulders and our knees. We can actually use our head as a windsail, or we can drop our toes as anchors, depending on how much we need to change the, the sled direction. Um, we'll hit speeds of 145 kilometers an hour and experience six times our own body weight pushing our head down onto the ice. So, like, we will actually go through corners blind because our head is just pitted on the ice. But, um, you know, it's, it's human-powered adrenaline field racing. It's absolutely incredible. It's, it's, it's known as Formula 1 on ice, essentially. Yeah, we were watching some videos of it there during the week. We were absolutely astounded by it. But it also came into our mind then that in Ireland, we're, you know, we're not especially renowned for winter sports or anything like that. So would you be restricted in some ways with regards to maybe facilities and location when it comes to your training? We know that the Kilkenny Storm hockey team have to travel to Belfast to be able to access some proper hockey faci- ice hockey facilities. So do you have to travel a lot to train in some proper climates or is there a place already set up in Ireland? Yeah, there's there's a lot of obstacles, all right. Um, you know, given given all the obstacles we have had, um, Ireland has had success in the sport. We came fourth in the Winter Olympics in 2002 in, in uh, Salt Lake City, um, that was Lower Cliffs and Rollisley. Um, but there is there's a lot of things that we need to to kind of um, deal with to do the sport. Um, so we obviously don't have anything in Ireland. We don't have any tracks. We don't have the climate. We don't have anything to do to actually train the sport. So how I've kind of overcome that myself is that push aspect of, of the, the race I was telling you about. What I've done was um, I bought a, a kind of a train track system almost where I've, I've got metal and then I've had a sled retrofitted with, with inline skate wheels so I can actually just lay down the track um, in any kind of training facility and work on that aspect of, of, of the competition, which is a massive part of, of, of the racing. Um, and then... Essentially, we just wait for the ice. So uh, come kind of this time of the year, October, um, I'll, I'll go across um, to normally North America. I've, I predominantly kind of base myself in North America, but there are tracks uh, throughout Europe and um, in Japan. And now we've got the new track in, in China for, for, the, for the Olympics in February. So one of the words that you said there was obstacles, and that's something that yeah. jumped out to me there. So considering that the year that we've had and the ban on travelling, how has that then affected your training um, w- with the pandemic in mind? Yeah, so it's like it's it's been difficult, but um, you know, 
with with the kind of mentality I had to bring to actually just turn up and 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 be able to train in scales in Ireland. I'm used to this kind of thing. So what I did was I tried to figure out what's the best outcome with the materials I have available to me. So I went off and got some weights off some friends, and I trained out in the front garden. I was literally training on the side of the road. I was doing sprint sessions on 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 in my in my park across the way. I was training them just in front of my house just to get the sessions done um and then as the season went on i actually had a, a successful season there last uh february um you know the olympic federation of ireland did amazing work getting all the visas and everything sorted out so i could travel safely um and i was out in park city training and competing where i uh, i medaled in in all three races there so um you know it, it's just about trying to figure out what's the best outcome with the obstacles in front of yourselves and a kind of reverse engineer solution there. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it sounds like a, a massive process. And even then the fact that you're looking to represent Ireland in the Olympics, but you need to raise funds to get there. Is there any funding whatsoever for yourself or do you have to rely solely on your own funds? If funding, funding has been uh, the massive bottleneck and I'd say one of the biggest stressors for myself. Um, I've been self-funded for the last five years and I'm at the stage now where um, you know my personal funds have gone um, I made a decision you know it was it was live a life and have a home and be stable or do something um, which is much bigger than me um, given I've, I've had um, a, a past dealing with with mental health I want to kind of be the example of, of overcoming uh, personal struggles and being stronger for it um, so I, I put everything into this um, and now we're at that we're at the, the final month now. I mean, realistically, my training starts in about two and a half weeks, um, and I just need to try to get as much funds together um, as possible. Um, I've had some support recently um, on my GoFundMe, which has been the biggest driver for, for funding, and uh, I've had two companies step in. Um, Harris Group and Card Connection have, have helped, but I still do have a long way to go. Um, but it's been it, the, the support has been fantastic in, in, in the last few weeks. It's interesting there that you mentioned uh, some mental health struggles. It was this before yeah. then you started uh, to the, the the process of being a skeleton racer, or was this was it something that kind of came to fruition after you had those struggles and then kind of helped you get out of it, it went, by having something to you know focus on? So like, it, it was it something that you seen that you were like, I need to get involved in this, and that helped you out of any struggles, or was it something that you were already doing while you were in it? Uh, well, how it actually turned out, so I, I actually, I was, I was spotted. How I got into skeleton, um, I was training, I was doing track and field. I was training in uh, Morton Stadium in Santry in Dublin, which is the, the National Athletics Arena. Um, and I was just training there, you know, throughout secondary school. And uh, back in 2003, there was a bobsled team training at the time. And they approached me asking me, hey, if you want to give this a go, like, you know, here's a sled, you can go push it. Um, and, you know, I got my first taste of it then, and they brought me over to Innsbruck in, in Austria to do, a, like, a driving school, essentially, where I was essentially turfed off the top of a track with zero knowledge of what was going on. Oh, wow. But that was my, like, you know, this is skeleton welcome kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, I I was faced with that kind of decision of, can I fund this myself, or, you know, I have to go and, and kind of live a, a traditional life and get a, a job and stuff like that, and... I went and pursued a career goal of, of being in, in the Gardaí and, and, and serving my community and, and helping people. And, um, you know, it was, it was after kind of an incident during my, my, uh, my duties that I found myself kind of at the lowest point of my life. And um, 
I use sport to get myself back on my feet. Um, I use sport to, to kind of give myself something to motivate me, something, some structure. And I just happened to have met the, the president of the association at a at an athletics event, and he said, you should give this a go. So I didn't actually intend on going back to skeleton. I didn't think it was an option. But the, the option came across my desk, as they say, and I, I, I ran with it. So it, it was it was kind of serendipity almost. Yeah, it sounds quite commendable as well to be able to kind of follow that dream. And it, it, it's unfortunate now that you're at the stage where you have to rely on other people to kind of to, to help with the funds in, in getting to Beijing. So w- what are you hoping that people could do to help you get to the Winter Olympics then next year? So basically, um, where, where I sit right now is um, my, my competitions, how, how, how it works is I need eight races. Uh, that go towards my, my Olympic qualification. And that point, that cutoff point is January 16th. Um, all the competitions are coming up now in November, December, and January. I'm going to have like 15 races to try to get those those points. Um, and, and the help I need is, is purely financial at this stage. So I've set up a GoFundMe, um, which gives everybody the, the ability, should they want to, uh, to donate. And it doesn't matter how small it is. All, this, all the small donations have genuinely been adding up, and it's been phenomenal to see you know, everyone's small uh, contribution, like these individual bricks are building building that path for me to get to, to, to Beijing. Um, and then on, on kind of a more significant level, if there's any companies that want to be a part of this, I do have contact details on, on my website and all my social media, so they want to contact me, I, I, I'd love to have a conversation. Yeah, it's a, I'm looking at the GoFundMe page there. There's a lot of money that has been raised already and a lot more still to go. You have, you have your, yeah. your, your final fund that you need to raise, you said, as before, before January. Um, where can people find it then? Is it just Brendan Doyle they type in to GoFundMe? Is there social media pages that they'll be able to check out? Uh, so the GoFundMe is gofundme.com forward slash sliding irish. Um, and my website's also slidingirish.com. Um, all my social medias are face Doyle, but if you search Brendan Doyle, um, the lad with the helmet is me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it's a fascinating thing. I, I've probably used that word about 15 times already, but I'm genuinely <laughs> astounded by the, the different types of sports that aren't always at our kind of fingertips we don't always kind of think of so it's great to see yeah. that someone's doing it but from a personal aspect considering any of the struggles that you've been on considering the training the financial implications of everything that you've done yeah. how much of a dream would it be to represent Ireland in the Winter Olympics? Uh, it, it would literally mean the world to me um, you know I, I set off I set off in, in, in 2016 with, with this in mind and um, you know I, I missed out at Pyeongchang by a single point and I thought that was it that was my my last chance um, and to be still in the game and my progression every single year is just getting better and better and better I'm the most whole person I've ever been I'm confident I'm happy I'm looking forward to, to getting out there and testing myself and um, it's going to be a very very difficult year but that challenge is something that makes this all worth it so I'm really really looking forward to it and it means the world for me to, to actually put this kind of ending to a chapter of my life so I'm just I'm putting everything into it well Brendan we wish you nothing but the best of luck we'll certainly be following your journey we'll have an article up in relation to this interview with the interview attached but we'll do a um, a link back to the GoFundMe page as well as you said sliding Irish on GoFundMe lots more fun still to raise but it's all to do with representing Ireland and we any athlete that we can get to the Winter Olympics or Olympics or at any national level is always hugely hugely widely regarded so thanks very much for taking the time first of all to try and represent Ireland and second of all for taking the time to talk to me today thank you very much I appreciate it
As always, Saturday at 4 o'clock was taken up with Joe Sheen, who was talking all things Greyhounds. Now we're going to switch our attention over to Greyhound and this particularly to Kenny Greyhound Stadium who had two finals going uh, yesterday and a lot of prize money to say the least. Joining me on the line is a man that has been joining me on the line for quite some time at four o'clock is Mr Joe Sheen of course. Joe how are you doing sir? Absolutely brilliant Shane and yourself? Not too bad I have my eye on that 18 million lotto jackpot price. Well, I'd be hoping that uh, whoever wins it, it's a local, that they might invest in a few greyhounds and run in a few syndicates myself, so we <laughs> might get them in and get them, get them to the track for a night out, Shane. Yeah, there, was mo- there was money to be made, though, yesterday. 9,000 total uh, prize money for the winners of the Jag Building Services A1 Derby. Um, it's been playing out over the past few weeks. How did last night's final go? Yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant final. And we've seen top-class action take place in Kilkenny over the last number of weeks, and it was really, really brilliant. And Mark Lahey had been absolutely flying in the competition. Unfortunately, things didn't go his way last night. But the winner, a very, very impressive winner, Holly Hill Sunny, of course, bred out of the wonderful bitch that was boom time. She was a top-class bitch, and she's breeding top-class herself. Holly Hill Sunny won in the time of 29 seconds last night, taking home 9,000 euro for its winning connection. Connections, the owner, George Gubbins, and trained by the Evershoot Park Campion. It was a very, very impressive performance. His price was 10 to 1. Probably not many people's idea of the winner of the Jack Villainsers and Kilkenny Goba A1 Derby final. It was such top class action. But at 10 to 1, he won the 9,000 prize money last night. Fantastic to see. In second place, the Paul Hennessy trained Hello Hammond put in a fantastic run, beaten by three and a half lengths. And in third for the Lahey family was It's All Over in a time of 29.31. But all about the winner on the night, Holly Hill Sonny at 10 to 1, led at the second bend and drove on from there. And it was fantastic to see. There was a wonderful crowd in Kilkenny last night and great to see a great atmosphere building up and people coming back in their droves to the Greyhound Stadiums up and down the country. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, well, like when you're mentioning 10 to 1 and you mentioned Murd Latty's dominance over the past few weeks, was it generally considered a bit of a surprise, uh, Holly Hill somebody coming in? Well, the connections are very, very true. Power Campion will be known as a very, very good trainer. So perhaps for for the people who've been in Greyhound a long time, they knew that Campion would have this Greyhound find for the night. And it's fantastic. Like, that kind of prize money is absolutely magnificent. 9,000 to the winner. You know, you had 3,000 there for, for second place and 1,350 for it. It was fantastic prize money. So perhaps a surprise to some, but I'm sure those connected close to the dog knew that this fellow would be absolutely primed on the night. And it was a very, very slick performance by Holly Hill Sunny on the night. We also had the final of the Danny and Ellen Norton Memorial which was won in an even better time 28.69 the clock won by the other crown trained owned and trained by Jennifer O'Donnell this was a homebred and of course the O'Donnell family are synonymous with success in the Irish Greyhound racing world they've won derbies with the likes of Skywalker Puma down the line they're a fantastic Greyhound family and it's good to see them taking home the glory last night and it was a 10 race car then in total you mentioned the two finals but how did the rest of the evening go? We had a very, very nice performance, Shane, in the first race, in the novice race. So for the novice race, for those who aren't familiar with Greyhound racing, these are kind of for the pups, the younger the younger kind of kind of pups getting their first kind of race in. Those you'd expect massive amounts of improvement out of. And Juggernaut was a winner, 28.74 o'clock. He was well back at four, a four to six favourite. But that's a fantastic clock to be able to do that in your first race. 
Now, he's only in April 20 whelp, so he's very, very young. And this juggernaut, well, he's eligible for the Conan Kirby next year, which will take place in the springtime in Limerick Graham Stadium. And I'm sure his trainer, Carl Ramsbottom, is already counting down the days till that competition. It was such an impressive performance, 28-74. And as I said, four to six favourite, I'm sure, connections got a few quid on juggernaut last night. We also had a split to pot five to five, which was won by the Lemon family with Lemon Archie won in 29-34. The stories, Kennels A4525. That was sponsored by Gavin O'Mahony. He also owns Jag Building Services. That was one in a very impressive clock of 29.09. As I said, we had our two finals won by the other crown in the O'Donnell final. That was probably the standout performance of the night, Shane, to be fair, about a 28.69. Kilkenny is known as a stiff track and it's one, it's a track that the UK buyers specifically, they really like to buy it out of because the form really stands up there and it's top, top class greyhounds coming to race in Kilkenny, so great to see that performance there. The upcoming sweepstakes at Kilkenny Track A3525 that was won by Arabian Bell in 2898 and of course we had fantastic news during the week Shane a new sweepstake was announced in Kilkenny during the week the Deadly Kennels A2 835 sponsored of course by Gary Hannon of course any of the Deadly Greyhounds so the prefix a lot of people would have prefix prefixes so the likes of Droopies your Belly Max so Gary Hannon he owns Deadly Greyhounds like Deadly Storm Deadly Tornado etc so he has come in with there's 12,000 euro for this sweepstake which will take place at the beginning of next month 5,000 to the winner so that was announced during the week so fantastic to see that in Kilkenny as well we also had our sales meeting in Kilkenny A4525 that was won 29.44 by Ratchie's Fox Rock our second last race was won by Wind in 29.32 very very quick away and in our last race now you're singing and you might give us a song in a while Shane won <laughs> no one wants to hear that I can assure you Finishing very well, taking our last race on the card in 29-25. But a fantastic night's race. And as I said, we were a great buzz around Kilkenny track last night. And fantastic to see the crowds coming back in their droves to Greyhound tracks up and down the country. I suppose there was great buzz as well at Shelburne with all that prize money, over 200,000 to be won. We've been building up to it. We didn't get to hear the winner. Maybe people are tuning in now. I'm sure that they might have heard it during the week, some rumblings. But can you just describe the night and what went on? My God, it was a, such a majestic night, Shane. And the winner, this will go down in the his, history books, probably one of the best derbies ever to be run in Shelburne Park, was won by a bitch for the first time since 1999, a female. And they took the first and second place home, Susie Sapphire, for trainer Owen McKenna. He won the derby in 2004. His father was John McKenna. He was a fantastic greyhound trainer. But he perhaps he didn't think that he'd be waiting 17 years to win the Derby just shows you how much of a treasure it is to win the Boyle's Force Irish Greyhound Derby. As you mentioned, Shane, €275,000 prize money. And the owners of this Greyhound was Peter Comerford. The Comerford family, they've been wonderful sponsors of Greyhound Racing over the years. Susie Sapphire, she has explosive early pace. When you can come out of traps and, and show magnificent early pace like her, you have a massive, massive advantage. It, it's like in soccer being able to take penalties and free kicks it's a massive massive advantage to be able to have that early kick she was out and gone and led all the way from trap to finish and t- she took home 125,000 euro for her connections now the rumours around lately is that she's going to be retired for breathing and to be honest pups out of her will be like absolute gold dust perhaps Shane with all your money you might invest in a pup out of her in second place was sing along Sally for the Buckley family she came home fantastic performance by her but beaten by three lengths in 29.39 and Jack's little thing came third our local connected runners, all about Ted, came fifth, taking home seven and a half thousand euro for Peter Cronin, the trainer from Munkine, and also Carrigan North, 
40 to 1, perhaps the outsider to field, but was very, very impressive throughout the Derby. And I'm sure the Bogey and Patterson family, the owner and trainer combination from Carlow, Bagnallstown, I'm sure they're very, very proud of Carrigan. He's done fantastic over the last number of weeks in Shelburne. So wonderful to see that as well, Shane. So speaking of the last number of weeks, what's coming up in the next uh, couple of few weeks? Is there going to be anything as to the magnitude of what occurred at Shelburne last weekend? Or are you, are you building up to something now in the uh, distant future? Well, at the moment, we have the SIS Juvenile Derby on at the moment. And a local connection put in the fastest time of the night last weekend. Droopy's Gloss, his name has been mentioned so many times on the show for Murtlahey. 28.06, perhaps one of the fastest times ever around Kilkenny Tracks for owned, of course, by John Coleman. And Murtlahey is a very, very shoe trainer. To put in run, run like 28.06 around the Shelburne track was a phenomenal performance so we have the second round of the Juvenile Derby fantastic prize money so that that is for puppies as well who are kind of under two years of age Shane just kind of groups them all together and classes them all together to give them an extra chance perhaps the greyhounds who haven't had an awful lot of racing and there's an awful lot of, of Kilkenny form in the Juvenile Derby which is great to see Benamadina Roxy she ran in the A3 Bitch Sake in Kilkenny not so long ago she also ran in the Kirby she finished second last week in 28 49 putting in a fantastic performance. We also have Barefoot Supremo in the mix as well. Beaming Scarlet, she finished second in the unraced in Kilkenny as well. She won last week in 28-54 in the first round of the Juvenile Derby. So you see an awful lot of Kilkenny Farm and the Kilkenny Farm holds up anywhere in the Greyhound world. So fantastic to see that farm holding up. So yeah, at the moment we have the Juvenile Derby. We also have the beginning of the Laurels down in Cork in Corraheen. We'll have the Ledger starting in Limerick in a number of weeks as well. So very, very busy time of the year in this time of the year and coming into the autumn chain for the Greyhound world. And finally, here's some post-match reaction from Mount Leinster Rangers match with Raffili in the Carlos Senior Football Championship. Johnny Nevin, um, you didn't win, but uh, you gave it one hell of a rattle in the second half, but you had a disappointing first half. Yeah, definitely so. And look at our in the first half, probably some of our a ball handling and that wasn't good enough. But look, as the game progressed, they got better, and that's the natural thing because they've only done two nights football, and so probably from now on they'll improve more. But you couldn't fault them for commitment and effort and uh, and uh, application all through the game. They finished the game very, very strong. Uh, just two points in it in the wind-up. Uh, you know, they stayed pressing, looking looking to maybe get a draw with a match, but um, just didn't happen. Raffili probably, you know, got got too much of a lead on us. And, you know, we, we, we had chances in the first half, Brendan, that we didn't take. We didn't execute the chances that we had in the first half. If we had to get a couple more scores and be closer to them, yeah, we would have had a, a grandstand finish to it. You changed tactics in the second half where you pushed up on the kick-out and you caused them problems and yeah. Eddie came to the middle of the field for a period of time, Willie Hickey came forward. Yeah. Uh, as you say, you created chances in the first half, you didn't get them and it probably came back to haunt you in the end because the clock just ran out. Yeah, and definitely so. But the other side of that, Brendan, is like the pace of a football match is, is hugely strong towards hurling like you're kind of playing in positions in hurling and you're you're hurling from a position but in football like you, you have to be able to get up and down the field and they took Mount Leinster a bit of time to get to the pace of the game today and and I'd say the more football they play they'll get to the pace of the game but it takes you time to get to the pace of the game transferring from hurling to football yeah. but look we won't make any excuses we were beaten by Raffili by two points in the championship um, look we have a few injuries as well hopefully we can get them back somewhere along the line and if we do we hope to be formidable OK Johnny we look forward to seeing you at the championship and Thanks. keep up the good work See you. Thanks good man
And that's been Scoreline Extra. You can tune in live 2 to 6 every weekend to hear some live sport and live interviews, only on KCLR. You'll hear myself, Shane O'Keefe, and the angry young man, Robbie Dowling. Until then, stay safe, stay sane.